Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Our kids can go up to be with our team in Redemption Kids. And as they make their way to our Redemption Kids area, I have the very special privilege of introducing one of my Medford friends. Now, I got to tell you, God put it in my heart a few years ago to invite Mr. Terry Carter to join us on a Sunday. And that time has finally come. Uh, it is, we could have Terry any Sunday uh, with us, but it is especially uh, just an honor to have him on Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. weekend as we celebrate and honor uh, one of America's greatest citizens, leaders, and persons that point others to Jesus. So uh, Terry is a graduate of Fisk University. Uh, he did graduate summa cum laude, by the way. And uh, he has developed his craft over decades. He's published five books uh, of his poems. And most recently, what you need to know, if you don't already know, is last year, 2021 actually, he was named Medford's first poet laureate. And so can we just, can we just honor Terry and, and um, just that, what, a, what an incredible honor. Uh, but but as, as Terry comes out and as, uh, as, he, uh, as he joins me here on stage, what I, what I want to say about Terry is this. Uh, he's he's well-respected in our city. Uh, he's, he's an accomplished poet. But what I, what I appreciate most is in all of my probably dozen interactions with him, uh, just here and there, a couple-minute conversation here and there around our city, uh, Terry is a genuine man of God. And uh, he, he doesn't just talk about a vision that our hearts long for, but he seeks to live it out. Uh, he and his wonderful wife serve in their church. They're, they're leaders in their church serving uh, pastorally and, and caring for people. And so I hope you will give your full attention as we seek to be a church that pursues justice in every way, including racial justice. I hope that you'll give him his full attention. Let's welcome Terry Carter one more time. Thank you, thank you Terry. Yeah, awesome. Good morning, church. Uh, thank you so much, Brother Pastor, for that generous introduction and for this wonderful invitation to be with you this morning. I bring you greetings from my own home church, Jubilee Christian Church of Stoughton, Boston, and Worcester, and my pastors, Matthew and Mona Thompson. So I thought long and hard about what poems to share with you this morning. I, I've written a bunch of stuff. I, I, as Pastor Turley said, I, I, I've written five books. I'm working on my sixth. I'll publish that soon. Um, I, you know, I, I, I agonized a little bit um, knowing that we're on the cusp of celebrating MLK Day tomorrow. I, I wondered if I should go really, really hard on racial equality and social justice I've written about that pretty extensively. But ultimately, I decided that the unifying theme in pretty much everything Dr. King preached was one of one human family and love. So that's what I'm going to talk about in the poems that I share with you today. I hope that you enjoy them. I hope that you're unlifted, uplifted by these few pieces I've settled on. As is often said, 
from the pulpit, I won't be before you long. <laughs> so this first piece is called A Letter to the Man I Used to Be. It's all about frailty and, perfect, and imperfection in the kingdom. I once was afraid of my own shadow, timid, hesitant, easily shook. They say that pressure bursts pipes. My spiritual plumbing was shot. My mental mechanics needed overhauling. My soul's electric wiring was shorting out. My works closet didn't have a prayer. You're looking at me with a mixed countenance of surprise and bewilderment, almost as if you'd forgotten the way things used to be. Preacher says he gives the same message over and over again because he knows the saints leak. He must be right, because you ought to remember the not-so-good days, not-so-great nights, the fraught weeks and the funky years. You just ought to remember. Still, if a brother stays long enough at the table, he might get dealt a winning hand or two. The acne and the awkwardness didn't last. Confidence came on me fast. Some pretty girls forgot my past. The swagger made this bust a blast. Yes, I'm checking you out, the sisters might say. Ooh, he got it going on. Big job, big house, big money, fly whip, boat slip, and a honey on his hip at all times. He might not be Mr. Right, but he darn sure is Mr. Right now. I went in on the weekend, popping bub at the club, getting play right away, Thursday night thrills, Friday night lights, and Saturday night fever. No remorse, no regrets. Hell, I barely remember most of it. Almost got tagged with some baby mama drama, some Billie Jean junk. Sister tried to float some bunk, but surprisingly, at least to me, the real pop showed up and showed proof the kid was not my son. Still, it's not the stuff of poetry. And I'm writing this letter so you can see I wasn't the man God called me to be. I was the joker and the jerk. I tried to be woke without the work. Not the purpose, just the perk, most of the duty I'd sooner shirk. Still, if a brother gets up from the table for a stretch, he just might get a sense that he's been a wretch. He just might see a roughed out sketch. Amazing grace might let him catch all the bad apples in the batch. Skin deep beauties never match, just gold diggers trying to latch on to the man I used to be. Now I have the revelation. I want to reveal my whole situation. I want to pass on the explanation and enter into a new creation God has put in play for me. So if you're reading this letter, if you're reading this sinner's letter, please know that I want to do better, to release my bonds and soul unfetter as a new kind of faith-filled true trendsetter, not the old man who becoming a better now the lender who's no longer a debtor. Yes, if you've gotten this heartfelt note, know that I'm putting on Joseph's coat, embracing this life of many youths, shedding my layer of sins and blues, declaring intentions to let God use a life that I surely tried to abuse and one that I easily stood to lose. This is a letter to the man I used to be, the brother Writing is the one that God set free. 
Yet I have no delusions about my soul's infirmity, a work in progress. That's all I'll ever claim to be. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so we're, we're in a season, you know, and I, I, I've heard it from my friend, Pastor Tanner. You know, we're, we're in a season where we want to bless, and there's an acronym. He's going to talk about that. Um, but that first blessing, that first blessing is how we pray to the God that we serve, our Lord in heaven. And um, and in one of those other blessings is how we serve each other because when Christ came, that's what he came to do. He didn't came, come to be by himself. He came to be among the people and serve the people. So I want to talk about community servings. The many food pantries and little libraries adorn our streets, like pop-up vending stalls and brightly festooned food trucks. We pass them on our COVID-19 constitutionals by the fire station, the community center, and the church. Pastors tell us there is no ministry until a need is met. Public poverty is a corporate debt that must be paid out of the tithes of our public trust. Please send this aid. The truckers and lift drivers prevail. They get bound folk out of jail. To Walmart they go over hill and dale while white postal trucks deliver the mail. We owe it all, we owe it to all to see that we bring each vessel a lee. Repairing their leaking hulls beneath the circling gulls. Each boat in the harbor's dock re represents our shared humanity, represents communal frailty, one human family, one single family tree. I can't know it all. But I will ask this, how many deaths are in acceptable risk? Will racial disparities always exist? Will more blacks die as the fever persists? Who decides who the plague should miss? Why does a knife have to always twist? Satan, too, seems to have a list. Who can avoid the Judas kiss? How could so many suffer and die while diffident leaders just stand by while prideful men give cold alibi to the ill-timed sting of the viral lie and the scam they seem hell-bound to try? Meanwhile, just people continue to aid as some loved one to rest is laid, seeking to light up the darkening shade into the waters of death they wade. The word of faith they understood. They will uphold the public good. They stoke the fires and gather wood. They seek to lead as shepherds should. They won't spend time on platitudes. They won't lose ground in attitudes. They share new grace and gratitudes and offer the struggling beatitudes. I can't know it all, but I do know this. The people who love are the ones in bliss. They're the ones who yet want to hug and kiss. The ones that solitude makes us miss. The ones isolation beats like a fist. The ones that the Father has on his list. Community builders who yet persist to wear their hearts on a naked wrist. Community builders, let's echo this and wear our hearts on a naked 
wrist. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. And I want to close with this piece because it, it, it seems to resonate with everybody because no matter what ethnicity you're of, what country you came from, or what is the nature of your family relationships, pretty much everybody has a reflection like the one I'm about to share. This is called Kitchen Table Poem. Nobody ever wants to leave. They're like the blueberry stains on your apron, settled and satisfied. Good food has been eaten, fresh corn and collard greens, fried chicken and potato salad. Bellies are fat and full. This is that room. Oh my God, and girl, and are you serious right now? It's real talk. We're real people, family. You know what I'm saying? We're family. You can smell the love long before the door opens. You know there's going to be pecan pie, and the sweet tea will be ice cold. Southern folks will slip out of their northernness. Accents will thicken, and the country shade will feel closer to the city sun. And they'll stay at that table. Long after the crumbs are cleared, the dishes will be washed, the food will be put away or packed in Tupperware and Ziploc totes. Everyone will have a doggy bag and a story to tell. The men will be playing bid or slapping down dominoes, sipping on a little something something and talking big trash. The smiles will be broad and contagious. The women will be fanning and fussing Good Lord, she knows she's too big for that dress. That ain't no Sunday saved outfit. That's for Saturday night sinning. You know I'm right, girl. You know I'm right. Nobody ever wants to leave. They're like black Jesus' eyes on that old print, loving and insistent. Soul food has been shared. My Jean prayed down heaven, and the baby sang their song. Everyone's tickled and tranquil. This is that room. I really miss Pap. Is baby boy's cancer in remission? And when you coming back to church? It's real talk. We're real people. Family. You know what I'm saying? We're family. Thank you very much. Thank you, Terry. Hey, uh, I want to put you on the spot just for a moment, okay. if you don't mind. All I don't right. think you're going to mind. So keep the, keep the mic. He's okay. sticking around. Uh, thank you so much for blessing us. And I was, you know, I asked, um, you know, Terry, hey, what, what, what poems are you planning to share? Just out of curiosity, wondering how God might move in these. And he's speaking about serving our community, talking about listening to one another, sharing meals, and uh, this, is, this is what we want to be about as a church. Not, not just in 2023, every year. Uh, so before you go, Absolutely. we, we want to just let you, you talked about Grandma praying down heaven, I believe. Could you just pray, pray down heaven uh, just over our church, and, uh, and then I'm going to share the word. Thank Hallelujah. you, brother. Thank you. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. This is 
that room, yes. Lord God. Yes. We are here assembled as your people, <laughs> worshiping you, yeah. praising you, seeking your face, seeking your favor, seeking your grace. Yes. Will you not look down upon mm. your people mm -hmm. and set the captives free? Yes. Lord God, yes. we need you. We need you every hour. Yeah. We mm -hmm. seek you urgently and fervently, mm -hmm. and we ask that you will dwell in our circumstance, Lord yeah. God. You know our every situation, our uprisings and our downsittings. Lord God, you know us from the soles of our feet to the hair on yes. each head. Yes. We ask that you will bless us, that you will hold us up before your grace. Yeah. Your kingdom is so blessed and wonderful. Yes. Sustain us while we dwell here, worshiping you in kindred, Lord God. Yeah. And keep us safe even as we depart. Mm. In Jesus' mighty and merciful name. And we all say together, amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Terry. Appreciate it, brother. Yeah, give me some love. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Appreciate that. Well, uh, hey, usually it's the, it's the songs that, that get me ready to preach, and, I, and certainly that's true again today, but, but it's rare that I get poems to get me ready to preach, and I am ready today, uh, so thank you, Terry, for coming and sharing uh, those pieces with us, such a blessing. Uh, go ahead and open your copy of God's life-giving word to the book of Matthew. We're going to be in chapter 6 today, and we are continuing this series in Boston as in Heaven. This is our vision this year. It comes in the form of a prayer, straight from the Lord's Prayer that we're going to look at this morning. And Jesus teaching us to pray God's heart into our hearts and into our homes and cities is something that we are going to lean into day by day, week by week, throughout 2023. And so as we uh, open our time in God's word, I want to take you back to the vision prayer that I shared with our church family last week. Okay, so uh, if you would, I would love for you to read this prayer with me, and we're just going to pray it communally together as we begin our time in God's word. So this is, this is how we're going to pray. God, this is our prayer and our greatest desire. Pray it with me. May, may your kingdom come and your will be done in Boston as in heaven. Make us a church on the move. Not comfortable, but courageous. Move us out with urgent love so that your spirit's presence and power flood living rooms, classrooms, and conference rooms. The blessing we bring will help people see you are real, you are alive, you are unignorable. May the beautiful mosaic of Boston fill every Sunday seat because we're touching every street. Jesus, we want you here. This is our cry. So we will say it one more time. Father, your kingdom come and your will be done in Boston as 
in heaven. Thank you. Not bad right there uh, as we pray this together. And, and as we said last week, listen, it's, it's one thing to understand that Jesus instructs us to pray that God's kingdom would come on earth in Boston as in heaven. But the question that we must ask ourselves is, well, how are we going to live this out? Like, if what does this mean if God wants more of heaven to touch earth? Then how can we as individuals and a church family pursue that vision? And so we said, this is how we're going to pursue it. Bringing a blessing to the people around us. That's how we're going to, how will we live this vision? Bring a blessing to the people around you to see God's kingdom come in Boston as in heaven. And so we just have this, this simple acronym that we didn't create this. We borrowed this from other churches who've used this acronym to talk about what it looks like to love and serve our neighbor, to be in that community service where we wear our heart on our naked wrist. Thank you, Terry. Yeah. Where we're just displaying God's love everywhere we go. That's what this is about. And so what does it mean to bless? Well, we are going to begin with prayer. And that's where we're focusing this morning. Next week, we're going to look at what it means to listen with care, to eat with others, to be around the table and enjoy one another's company, to build those kind of relationships that last, where people see we truly care about them and love them and want to walk with them. But we don't just stop with the, the listening and sharing life, but we are going to learn how to serve one another. And as we serve, we're going to look for those natural everyday opportunities to share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. This is how we will live the vision and bring a blessing to the people of Boston so that the blessing we bring will help people see God is real. God is alive. God is unignorable. And so thank you, thank you, Terry. I told Terry not to hold back today, all right. He's going to teach us. He's going to help us talk back to the pastor, all right. So thank you. Just follow his lead this morning, all right. I'll try to help you out a little bit. Thank you. And so as we come to Matthew chapter 6, we have Jesus' longest recorded teaching. And he teaches us about prayer in chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. And this, this most famous prayer is sometimes called the Lord's Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer. It's really both. It can be prayed verbatim in roughly 20 seconds. But I want you to notice that as we read this, what you're going to see is Jesus says, pray like this. In other words, we can pray it verbatim, but, but what he's really offering us is a framework for prayer, a model prayer by which we can take each line and continue in prayer, be it for two minutes or two hours. And so look at these words that Jesus shares with us on prayer, starting in verse 5 of Matthew 6. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think they will be heard 
for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. As we lean into our 2023 vision, we see that Jesus teaches us to prioritize prayer. Prioritize prayer. If you don't write it down, I'm going to say it enough where you're going to remember it after this morning. Prioritize prayer as the source, your greatest source of power to see Boston touch, heaven touch Boston. Prioritize prayer as your greatest source of power to see heaven touch Boston. So what we're going to do this morning is this. We're going to zoom in on the first part of Jesus' prayer as he teaches us to pray. And we're going to find three ways that we can pray that heaven would shine brighter and brighter in Boston. All right? Number one, number one, this is what Jesus would say. Pray God would be honored above all in Boston as in heaven. Pray God would be honored above all in Boston as in heaven. What Jesus does is he sets up this prayer as he says, you need to avoid two traps when you pray. And I know you well enough because I know myself well enough that we're always tempted to fall into either one of these traps. On the one hand, there's the trap that we would pray to impress people. This is what the religious leaders did. There wasn't a sincerity, but Jesus says there was a hypocrisy in their hearts because they didn't pray for God because they loved God, but they actually stood up in church and they went out on the street corner so that everyone could see how spiritual they were. Oh, look, at he's so, he's so super spiritual. Uh, he's so in touch with God. And, God. and Jesus says, look, these leaders, they're mere actors. Mere actors. There's no substance there. And what Jesus is saying is prayer is not a show. Amen? Amen. Prayer is not a show. Prayer is about a relationship with the God who loves us. So we don't have to pray to impress people. And oh, by the way, you may even struggle with this one a little bit more, okay? It's not just to impress people, but sometimes we think we have to pray to impress God. And so Jesus goes on in verse 7. He says, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. So when Jesus used the word Gentiles, he's talking about people who don't yet know God, who don't have a true relationship, that they think that the more they stack up their word count, 
that the more likely it is that God would hear them. And Jesus says, look, you don't need to impress God. If you knew the heart of God, you would know that God is already impressed with you. He, he, he made you. He loves you. He sees you every moment of every day. Listen, this is, this is all driving us to the opening words of the Lord's Prayer, the disciples' prayer. Our Father. Look, the reason you don't need to impress God is if you have stepped into the life of Christ and you are following Jesus, God is your Father. You have been welcomed in, adopted as a child of God. And I don't know about you, but if you're a parent, there is nothing that your kid has to do to be eloquent enough, to, to you know, I mean, even be adorable enough. They're already adorable, right? It's just like they can just come to you anytime and say anything that's on their heart. And this is the kind of heart that God has for his children. We, we pray with the freedom of a child. But we also pray understanding that this is not a coffee shop conversation between equals. Because our father is in heaven. Our father is God, the one true God. There are 8 billion people in our planet, right? On our planet. There is one God. One God. He is different. He is majestic. He is glorious. He is transcendent. And so when we come to him in prayer, we come with the freedom of a child to enjoy this intimate relationship, but we come with intense reverence, understanding that our God is holy. He is perfect. He is glorious. It's this understanding of God as Father that, that should embolden us when we pray. We are praying to our heavenly dad. You might say our heavenly poppy, our heavenly pops. He's our heavenly father. And what a picture of intimacy that Jesus gives us in verse 6. What does he say? He says, when you pray, you don't have to stand out on the streets. Rather, go into your home and find what in the first century Israel would have been a little storage closet. You see, most homes weren't like our homes. Uh, most homes were one-room homes that were not very big, and they had this little storage closet that was the only place in the home where you could lock the door and get some privacy. And Jesus says, when you pray, you need to find that space where it is just you and God. Where, where, where you are communing with God, where, where there's the enjoyment of relationship. The point here is to increase our focus and decrease our distractions. And, and I don't know if you've caught this, but we live in an age of distraction. We live in an age of distraction. Your prayer life may be suffering, as mine often is, because of all the distractions. So, so it may be that, that you need to turn off the TV. You need to turn off the phone. You need to turn off the kids. I mean, can, can we do... I mean, <laughs> and so, Pastor Tanner, I don't know how to do that. They're they up so early, and then once they're up, they're up, and they're going, and they're talking, and they're playing, and they're making noise, and all this. It's like, 
Well, then maybe you need to get up before they get up. Or maybe you, when they go to bed, you need to really focus on your time with God rather than your time with the Celtics and Netflix. We all love that, but. <laughs> See, what we need to understand about prayer is this. Prayer is about building a relationship. The greatest relationship that you were made for. This is what Jesus is inviting us into, what our Father is inviting us into. We, we understand that, that prayer uh, is, 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 is about a relationship. And so Jesus says to pray, our Father in heaven. He sets our perspective. And then he gives us three requests that help us see what it looks like to pursue God's vision for our lives and our world. And these three requests, listen, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. For the longest time in my journey with Jesus, I didn't see these three requests as really triune. In other words, they, they are distinct, but they are unified. They all give a vision for what God wants, and they're all qualified by the, the prayer on earth as in heaven. Do you, do you hear me? Are you following me? So hallowed be your name in Boston as in heaven. Your kingdom come in Boston as in heaven. Your will be done in Boston as in heaven. And so this first prayer is a, a prayer for the, for the name of God, that God would be honored above all. We need to understand two key words here in this first request. Hallowed be your name. What does it mean to hallow something? When we hallow something, we regard or treat it as holy. What we are saying is, God, we want your name to be honored, valued, treasured above every other name. And we start with this request, not only, I love God, God is so, he is so smooth, he is so wise, okay, because look at what God does here. He takes us to the place where we are to live our lives every single moment of every day, where we are focused on God and seeking to bring him honor and glory. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. There is none like you. So we are praising God for who he is when we pray this prayer. But even as we pray this prayer, this is not only what is most honoring to God, but this is also what is best for us. I'm just telling you this. The more you focus on God in 2023, the more you allow your life and your prayers and what you listen to to be God-centered, you are going to experience more joy and less anxiety. I'm not saying life is going to be perfect and everything is joy and celebration and there's no things that, 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 that make us anxious or discouraged or whatever. But I'm just telling you, the more you focus on God, the better it is going to be for you in your soul. So we pray, God, hallowed be your name. But what does it mean to pray, hallowed be your name? In the ancient world, a person's name was more than a way of identifying them in a crowd. When we think about a name, we're, we're thinking about something deeper. It communicated their history, their values, their accomplishments. I mean, just let's just do a little thought experiment here. This might be fun. Um, when I say the name 
Taylor Swift. What, what, do, you, what do you think of? You think maybe um, sold-out concerts? You think Capital One commercials? You think shake, shake, shake it off? Oh, never, never mind, never mind, never mind that. When I, when I say the name John Reddy, if you're new to Redemption Hill, this is one, another one of our pastors. When I say the name John Reddy, you think handsome. Amen? A- amen? I mean, let's let, let's let him hear. He's on vacation today. He might be tuning in right now. When I say John Reddy, you think handsome. Amen? Amen. amen that's right. <laughs> you think this guy loves people. You think what a gifted executive pastor in the life of our church. When I say Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., you think justice. You think vision. You think sacrifice. You think I have a dream. Right? You see, our name is so much more than just a a matter of identification. Our name communicates who we are, what we're about, what we bring to the table. And so in the very beginning, when God releases his name to Moses, when Moses, he assigns Moses to lead his people, and Moses is a little uncomfortable with his assignment, and he says, well, God, who am I supposed to tell them that sent me on this assignment? What is your name? God says what? Yahweh. Yahweh. I am. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. I alone am glorious. I alone am self-existent, self-sufficient, independent. I alone need nothing. I alone am God. And it was as I was reading the Bible this fall that, that I was reading about the name of God in and, and Acts that took me back to Exodus 3. And then this is just a tip, by the way, when you're reading the Bible and, and God starts to put, bring something to your attention, it's good to just start studying other places in Scripture that talk about that thing that God has impressed upon you. So I started going to the places where it talks about God's name. And just in probably, I don't know, 20 minutes maybe, I have a number of just listen to some of these verses that talk about God's name. Psalm 20, verse 7, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Proverbs 18, 20, maybe you're going through some difficulty or trial. The name of the Lord, Yahweh, is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Isaiah 26, verse 8. You are in in the path of your judgment. I can't read my handwriting, sorry. In the path of your judgments, O Lord Yahweh, we wait for you. Your name and your renown are the desire of our hearts. 1 Samuel 20, 12, 22, for the sake of his great name, the Lord Yahweh will not reject his people. Because the Lord Yahweh was pleased to make you his own. Acts, Acts chapter 4, verse 12, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. The name of Jesus. Jesus saves. God saves. That's his name, Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and 
every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, a name communicates a person's reputation. And so when we go into our homes and we go into our workplaces and we're walking around our neighborhood and we're frequenting the shops and the grocery stores that we visit here in our city. We are praying, Father, hallowed be your name in this place. God, we want people to see you for who you are. We want you to be treated with greater respect and dignity in our city. We want your name to be honored above all. That's the first way that Jesus teaches us to pray here in this first request. But then number two, he goes on and he says, not only to pray that God would be honored above all, but then number two, and I'm just putting this in in kind of a a way that that we can think about practically, pray that God would provide 10,000 previews of his kingdom in Boston as in heaven. 10,000 previews. Of his kingdom in Boston as in heaven. We talked about this last week. But when Jesus speaks of the kingdom of God. He is referring to the realm where God's reign brings about everything our hearts long for. This is The the kingdom is the place where everything our hearts long for becomes the forever reality. And so if you, I mean, just think about what you want. Think about what, what, what every human heart, the, the things that we're after, joy and peace and love and all of these things that we all agree are things that we should be experiencing more of in our lives. Jesus is saying, this is what I'm bringing. And, and we, we see the, the word kingdom in the New Testament. We see that there's a dual reality here, okay? So number one, the kingdom is now... But number two, the kingdom is not yet. So it has come in Jesus' first coming, but there's more to come when he comes again. Jesus launched it when he said, repent for the kingdom is at hand, but Jesus will complete it when he rides in on a white horse when he, where he has a name embroidered on his robe and tatted on his thigh, king of kings and lord of lords. So, so, so what, what we see here is that when Jesus arrived, he started bringing his kingdom to earth. But there is more to come when he returns. And so you say, well, Pastor Tanner, what does this look like? What, what would this look like as we move about our city, as we pursue this on a daily basis? Well, uh, first, read the Gospels, and everything that you see Jesus doing there reflects the heart of his kingdom. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. The hungry were fed. Liberty was proclaimed to the oppressed. All of these reflect the kingdom values of how we treat one another and how we provide and and reflect God's heart. But then, as much as we we think about just just looking at Jesus and and, and, and imagining how he would continue to, to work out his kingdom in 2023, I know it can still be difficult to say, okay, what does it really look like to pray your kingdom come in Boston as in heaven. And so I want to give you three uh, questions to help you envision heaven touching our city. All right? So, so we ask these three questions. Number one, what is happening in heaven 
right now. What is happening in heaven right now? Okay, so if we, if we were in heaven, okay, we could look, but we would not find gas that costs $4 a gallon or eggs that are $7 a dozen. All right, I'm just, I'm just saying you're not going to find that there. You're also going to look and you could search forever, but you won't find a trace of bitterness, jealousy, anxiety, or addiction. But even more than that, what you will find, you're going to see it everywhere your eyes look. God is being worshipped nonstop and every human soul and angelic being are experiencing the fullness of his joy. That's what's happening in heaven right now. But then we ask a second question. If Jesus led my, you can fill in the blank, what would it look like? If Jesus led my home, would we spend less time on our phones? If Jesus led my office, would people discover more meaning and purpose? If Jesus led my city, would there be peace and justice for all? What would it look like if Jesus were in charge in the places where we live and move? Number three, here's a third question. If Jesus lived my life this week, what would people see? If Jesus lived your life this week, what would people see? Would they see an individual who Venmoed money out to others rather than spending so much on themselves? Would they see someone who gave the same effort when the supervisor stepped out of the room? Would they see someone ready to forgive, ready to serve, ready to love? Would they see a person who loved to celebrate people, who took an interest in those who could not further their agenda? Would they see you, listen, dance with children? That's the heart of Christ. Would they hear you speak the truth? Would they see a person willing to listen to the struggles of a friend and offer words of hope about what is offered to us in the coming kingdom of God? Would they see more of heaven shining through you? Because here, here's the beautiful thing that we need to understand as we go about following Jesus this year as individuals and a church family. Listen, every time we open our homes with some good music playing and some food on the table that Terry talked about, all right? Every time we do that, every time we put warm socks on cold feet, every time we go with a friend to the AA meeting that they don't want to attend, every time we pursue the cause of justice, every time we point people to the life of Christ, we are providing a preview of the kingdom that is coming. And that is already here. The blessing we bring will help people see our God is real. Our God is alive. Our God is unignorable. So we're going to pray that God would provide these 10,000 previews of his kingdom in Boston as in heaven. But then finally, number three. We're going to pray that God would empower all he desires in Boston, as in heaven. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
your kingdom come, your will be done in Boston as it is in heaven. This request, your will be done, it is really an extension of the first two requests. If God's name is hallowed and his kingdom is coming, then his will will be done. And and we read in the Bible, we see that, that God has a sovereign will. In other words, whatever God allows or wants to happen will ultimately happen because God is in charge of everything. He's the king. This is what Psalm 115 talks about. Our God is in the heaven, heavens. He does all that he pleases. And that's God's sovereign will. But that's not how Jesus is teaching us to pray here. That's not what he's teaching us to pray for. Jesus is teaching, I believe, to pray for God's revealed will. In other words, what is inherently good, what God has commanded us to do, Whatever God desires in our world, that we have all of these instructions and commands in the Bible, Jesus is teaching us to pray, hey, what you see here, you get in here and live out there. That's what he wants for us. This is a prayer for people to obey God, to reflect his goodness in our everyday lives. And I like what J.I. Packer says about this verse. He says, here more clearly than anywhere, the purpose of prayer becomes plain. Not to make God do my will, which is, he says, practicing magic, but to bring my will into line with his, which is what it means to practice true religion. So I want you you to hear this. Because so many times when we pray, whether whether we would acknowledge it or not, we come to prayer and we are really praying with the intention of changing God to get God to line up with what we want. But prayer is not about us changing God. Prayer is about God changing us. Did you hear me? So so think about it. The, the, The latter is absolutely imperative. The former is impossible, right? We can never change God, but... We must be changed by God as we seek to live out what he desires for our lives. And as we understand these requests, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, we begin to understand how all of the other requests to give us today our daily bread, to forgive us of our debts and our trespasses, we forgive those who trespass against us. To lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, our material, relational, and spiritual needs. They all are an answer to the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done in my family, in my neighborhood, in my workplace, in my city, as it is in heaven. So in our quest to be a praying church... In our quest to lean into this vision this year, we're going to begin with prayer. That's the be and bless. We're going to begin with prayer. And you say, well, Pastor Tanner, um, my prayer life is not so great. Some of you may even say, you know what, I, I just, I've never had great examples and I don't even really know how to pray. Well, certainly Jesus is teaching us right here. He's giving us a pattern for prayer. 
But let me give you four encouragements this morning in terms of how we can pursue growth in prayer. Number one, listen, I'm going to say this again and again because it relates to the other uh, letters, L-E-S-S, okay? Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Just pray. Just talk to like, you have a conversation with people. I know you can communicate. That's what prayer is. Just talk to God. Just pray. And pray again. Don't overthink it. Number two, pray with others. What blows me away about the heart of God and the wisdom of God is he teaches us to pray what the first word. Our Father. The words that are stunningly absent in the Lord's Prayer are what? I and me. This is about us. And so we pray together. We pray as family. We pray on Sundays. We pray in groups. We pray on the first Friday of every month, fire nights. We pray when we're hanging out together. We pray with others, for others. Number three, we, we pray this everywhere we go, on the spot, in the moment. If there's a need in front of you, if there's an opportunity in front of you. I'm curious if anyone took me up on the, the challenge, the dare last week. When you show up to work, you start praying this vision prayer. Jesus, I want you here in this classroom, in this office space, in this factory room. Jesus, I want you here. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in this place. And then, and then not only don't overthink it, pray with others, uh, pray everywhere you go. But, but number four, keep it simple. Keep it simple. I mean, there are five million people in greater Boston. And I, I know about, I don't know about you, but as I think about our city, I, I want every single person to know Jesus. I want every, people, every, every single person to encounter Christ and, and experience the life that he died to bring us. But I'll never know five million people specifically and personally. But I definitely know three. And so here's an encouragement for you. Here's a challenge for you to begin to pray for three people. Pray for three. Pray for three people who have not yet chosen to step into the life of Christ and follow Jesus. We're praying that, the, that they would see how amazing God is and honor his name above all. We're praying that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done in their lives. I love what Hudson Taylor said about prayer. He said, learn to move men through God by prayer alone. Prayer moves the hearts of people as God is working through our prayers. But let me remind you as we bring our time to a close. Let me remind you that true prayer pursues the answer with action. True prayer, if, it, if prayer is really sincere and we are saying, God, we want you to show up and move in these ways, let's not be the hypocrites of verse 5 that say, God, you got to do all the work, but I'm just going to step back and watch you do the work. No, God, I am asking you to show up, but I know that you have put your presence inside of me through the Holy Spirit and you are moving me out to love the people around us. Jesus teaches us to ask for the kingdom to come. But in the very next chapter, he says, seek the kingdom. And in chapter 10, he's going to say to go proclaim the kingdom and to display the kingdom in your actions. 
it was just two days ago in the Boston Common that our city unveiled the new embrace sculpture honoring Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his wife, Coretta Scott King. And the, the, as you, as when you see the statue, if you haven't already seen it, uh, what you're going to see are these arms that are wrapped around one another. I think it's so cool that, that it was, comes from a picture that was taken after Dr. King won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964. It's a representation of what it looks like, as, as Terry reminded us so uh, poetically, to, to what it means to live a life of love, to live a life of embrace, to, to live a life of care for the people around us, this one humanity that everyone is to be welcomed in and embraced equally. But over to the side, what you're going to find is a quote from Dr. King that says this. Love is such a powerful force. It's there for everyone to embrace. That kind of unconditional love for all humankind. That is the kind of love that impels people to go into the community and to try to change the conditions for others to take risks for what they believe in. If we believe these words, if we believe these words, if we desire what God desires, then we are going to not only pray for it, but we are going to go after it with everything we've got. And so let's pray into that. Let's ask God to empower us, to equip us, to be the kind of people that reflect Jesus and his kingdom in everything we do. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for our time of worship. God, we thank you for the, the words, the, the guiding, the instructive words of Christ, teaching us to pray, teaching about what is on your heart. And so, God, we, we pray today, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth in Boston as in heaven. God, we want to be a church on the move that is not sitting back and living comfortable lives, but moving out courageous, bringing an urgent love to the people around us wherever we are so that people can experience who you are, so that they can taste of your goodness in your kingdom. And so, God, would you pull us in, Lord, pull us in to all of who you are. God, lead us out for all that you have for us so that our city will not be the same, so that our church will not be the same. God, we thank you for this word. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, listen, uh, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And our prayer team is going to to be here to pray with you. If there's anything that's on here, maybe there's a, a phrase that really caught your heart that you want to pray for. Maybe it's something out of Terry's poem. I want to open up my home. I want to be a community servant. Listen, whatever is on your heart, we ask that you would respond to God as he leads us in these moments of worship. Let's, let's sing together. Let's pray.